bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's the Sparky Fiber. Time for another edition of Green and Growing. Rolling solo today. You know what Nathan Marzian today, but he'll be back uh, next week. And how about it? Next week is September. Yeah, September uh, we are in. And that means training camp, we will officially be able to say next week starts this month. Uh, then exhibition games start there in October. And, and off to the races, uh, we go with the NBA season and the Milwaukee Bucks, and I really want to get in depth here uh, a little bit uh, today on the Eric Name survey that he did uh, in the Athletic of Bucks fans and some of the different responses uh, that were given. I was shocked, I guess I would say, that I voted in it uh, as well. I do every year whenever Eric does it, and I was shocked that I was in the majority vote uh, answer-wise. For each and every question, I was in the majority. So that was uh, quite shocking. Normally, that's never the case. Normally, uh, I'm off kilter uh, in a couple of those answers as far as what everybody else thinks. But in this case, it looks like I'm in the majority. So we'll go over that. I want to first lead off uh, with Ty Ty Washington, point guard, uh, former first-round pick, uh, and a guy that uh, they brought in on a uh, another two-way deal here uh, is Ty Ty Washington. I, I am very interested. Uh, to see exactly what the Bucks are thinking uh, with this point guard position. Because we've been talking about nonstop that they didn't have a backup uh, for Drew Holiday. Uh, and now uh, they've got a bunch of dudes on two-way contracts that are point guards. So a bunch of guys essentially, I guess, are going to kind of battle it out to see who that other point guard is going to be possibly uh, going forward. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, again, he was the 29th pick of Washington back in the uh, 2022 uh, draft. So very young. Uh, the floater, that's his game, right? Getting to the lane uh, with some type of quickness to be able to uh, get that floater up uh, in the middle of the lane. He's done that. He's a nice player. A uh, lot of upside to him. Uh, and for whatever reason, just wasn't able to work out in his couple of stops uh, last year. Uh, remember, he was traded to the Hawks, who then traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, and that obviously didn't work out. They released him, so then he became a free agent, uh, and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks now have them uh, tie tie Washington. During his rookie year, Washington averaged just under five points per game, rebound and a half, assist and a half, shot about 36% from the field, 23% from three, only played 31 regular season games in general. He did play in the G League, and this is where I think Bucks fans get excited. Averaged 26.5 points in the G League, 6.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists, uh, steal and a half per contest, shot 40%, almost 41% from the field uh, in eight regular season games. So there's some excitement level around him going forward. Would I rather have had a veteran backup point guard? Absolutely. Yes, I would. I'd much rather have that. But... The mantra of this offseason, outside of bringing back Jay Crowder, uh, the the mantra of this offseason has been younger uh, and more athletic, which is the same mantra the Green Bay Packers uh, have had uh, during their last offseason of drafts and so forth on building their roster. Younger, faster, more athletic. That's what kind of where both of these teams want to be uh, and get better at. And the Packers obviously have done that. If you listen to the Curtin Long podcast that you can Download on Odyssey or wherever you download your podcast, favorite podcast app, just like for the Green and Growing podcast. Um, you hear us talking about that all the time, Ryan Horvath and myself. And with the Bucks, 
Uh, a lot of these younger players, I still am not convinced, are going to see the light of day come crunch time uh, in whether it be big moments in the regular season or whether it be playoff games, uh, unless somebody really just jumps off the paper and really plays well. Uh, the Ty Ty Washington thing uh, is interesting because if at the end of this season, if things don't go right and they miss the playoffs or whatever the case may be, if he shows you enough um, during the course of a season and if you decide to move on from Drew Holiday um, and decide to either trade Drew Holiday uh, for a, a better asset, maybe a different position, whatever the case may be, however this plays out, this gives you now a young guy uh, to kind of throw into that lineup going forward uh, to help with Giannis moving forward. Now, if Giannis's biggest thing is and biggest concern is, and he hasn't officially said this, is the aging process of this roster and wanting to have guys closer to his age or younger to play with going forward. If that's it, then okay. Then this kind of makes sense. If if you think Bochamp can take the next step and become that two or three, uh, and if Washington or one of these other guys uh, can end up being maybe a point guard that you can groom into being that guy, then you've got maybe a backcourt of the future kind of going forward past Holiday and Middleton. Now remember, the one thing that everybody preached about Adrian Griffin when they hired him as the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks was he's a player development guy. Jimmy Butler praised Adrian Griffin for how much he helped him develop. So maybe part of the thinking here is with Adrian Griffin is if we're going to turn over this roster over the next three to five years, which they're going to have to, and if we're going to convince Giannis to stay, we're going to have to do our best to add younger players to the roster, develop them in the next couple of years while the frontline players are playing. And then when it's their time to shine, hopefully they are ready to step in the role and play. Kind of like Jordan Love, dare I say. And I'm not saying Ty Ty Washington is Jordan Love. Don't get me wrong. But he is a first-round pick. And if you're a first-round pick normally, that means you got some talent, you got something that people think that they can get out of you. Does every first-round pick work in the NBA? No, every first-round pick doesn't work. And there's no guarantee that this will work for the Milwaukee Bucks. But it's low-risk, high-reward. If he turns out to be the player that everybody thought he could be, of what would merit him to be a first-round pick, uh, then it's a great move. A great move. John Horst is brilliant if this ends up with him as the starting point guard of the future going forward with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's got the talent. There's no question he can score the basketball. Now the question just becomes, you know, how good is his defense? How much does he understand of being in the right places and all that fun stuff? And how much of a chance are they really going to give him this year um, and then next season? During the regular season, as Nathan Marzian and I have talked numerous times, is it really can be used as an extension of the exhibition season. You don't need to play Giannis, you know, 32, 34 minutes a night. You just don't. You, you can play uh, Middleton less minutes. You can give holiday rest days. I know the NBA hates it, but you can give all these guys breaks and let some of these younger players get 15 or 18 minutes of run on a given night. And then when it comes, comes, comes crunch time, Milton and Holiday go back in and try and finish it off if it's a close game or whatever. But you have to be able to deal with the bumps um, during the regular season of these young guys playing, like Andre Jackson and Bochamp and Ty Ty Washington and so forth. If you're able to do that without being too cringeworthy of, oh, we won that game and we not played those kids. 
If you're able to get past that as an organization, then I think you're better off for it in two or three years if these guys truly are going to be the future of this organization. And none of them may be. These guys may just be played to be pawns and trade chips later to bring in more veteran-type players, veteran-type star players, to this Milwaukee Bucks organization to build around Giannis. With these Giannis comments in the New York Times, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got an angle as to what is going on with that. I read a piece the other day, and I don't remember if it was SI or where it was, but a piece talking about what teams, maybe it was CBS Sports, I don't know, but what teams were in the best position to get their hands on Giannis as far as capital that they have to trade in order to get them. Folks, it's not close. It's just not. There is one team that leaps off the paper that has everything you would want if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. If you're going to trade Giannis, God forbid that happens. Again, nobody wants that to happen. But if he decides, I want to go somewhere else, I'm not going to be here, whatever, and then you get to trade him and open up the bidding process, Oklahoma City, the Thunder, that's the team. I mean, there is no question. They're loaded with young talent. They're loaded with a million picks. You could get the blockbuster of all blockbuster-type trades with Oklahoma City if you were to trade Giannis. Now, does that replace Giannis? No. Unless you find a superstar in in one of the draft picks. Can you get you know a couple really good players and a bunch of draft picks? Yeah, you can. And it's going to probably kind of be like the Nets deal where you know they get two good players with some upside and you hope, like Bridges did with the Nets last year, that one busts out now that he can be the person, be the guy on the team and takes that next step and you look even better for it. That's what you hope if you get to that point of trading Giannis kind of going forward. The other thing thinking about this whole Giannis situation before we get to the Eric name survey. A lot of talk of, you know, they have to they have to hope that Giannis is ready to sign that extension or whatever by the time you get to, you know, through free agency next summer. Or to free agency next summer. Because if not, if he's still saying, nope, I'm still not convinced that we're where we need to be. I'm going to give it another year. Then the debate becomes, do you let him play it out and then essentially get whatever you get in a possible sign and trade, right? If Giannis is cool with doing a sign and trade and taking away talent from the team that he wants to go to as a free agent, which he may or may not be. I'm assuming he probably would be okay with it, but he might not be. He might be like, no, they're stacked. They're ready to win a championship. No, we're not doing a sign and trade. I'm just signing with them. And he may be screwed. That, that puts the Bucs in a really, really tough position to the point where, as an organization, if we get to that point next summer and he's still saying no to signing an extension, maybe there does have to be a conversation of, hey, man, look, you got you to gotta level up. You got to be straight with us and square with us. Like, Do you have something going on where you and somebody else are planning to go play somewhere or whatever the case may be? Is there something like that going on? Because if there is... You know, in the best interest of this organization, it would be best for us just to move on in this last year uh, and go forward. Now, he may or may not tell you what's actually going on if if that is the case or the deal. He doesn't seem like the dude that would hustle and do that. But, and may I say this again, but 
you know, the first time he signed that extension, he really didn't know a lot of dudes in the NBA. The second time, he definitely did. And now we're coming up to the third time. Now he's built relationships with these other All-Stars at the All-Star Game weekend and knowing some of these guys. So now the idea of him pairing up with somebody to go play somewhere, whether it be the market they're playing in or whether it's somebody coming to play here with Giannis or whether it's them going to a completely different market where neither one of them play but are interested in playing it, I think that is a legit possibility of happening of why he would leave. Because leaving here to go to about any other situation probably isn't going to be much different than what he's in right now. The only hitch in the giddy up, like we've talked about, is how old this roster is and what can they do to convince him that it's not going to be Middleton and Holiday run out their careers in Milwaukee and the cupboard is bare and they have nobody to play with him to go win a championship. That's what they have to figure out in order to keep him. And that is why, like we talked about in the beginning of this conversation, why getting these guys, Ty Ty Washington and Marjan Bochamp and Andre Jackson, these guys, some significant run during the regular season is such a big deal. To not only see if they can be those guys that can run with the honest, but also to say, okay, now we've got some trade chips. Now we've got some leverage to go along with our draft picks, first-round draft picks that we'll finally be able to trade at next year's NBA draft because they haven't been able to for the last couple of years. So to go along with those picks, we also got some young guys that we can throw into the package to make it sweeter to help us get that star player to Milwaukee to make Giannis happy and to keep this team relevant for the next few years and to get Giannis to sign that contract extension. That's why all of that, I think, uh, is very important in this regular season, more so than wins or losses or anything else. That That is a big, big deal as far as player development and what this coaching staff can do to develop these guys and get these guys as quickly as possible uh, up to speed with you know what they want to do and how they fit in uh, to the roster and so forth and see really how good they can be. Of all three of them, I think Ty Ty Washington uh, excites me the most of Bochamp, Jackson, uh, and Ty Ty Washington. I think Washington would be the one I'm most excited about. Bochamp would be two. And Jackson is so far away offensively that I have uh, the least amount of hope for him. Now, role player, good passer, hustle guy, defender, all that, yes. But Again, as Marzian has pointed out time and time again, if you can't shoot the basketball, it really doesn't make much sense of why you'd be on the floor with Giannis at this point. Uh, unless, you know, you've got shooters like Golden State has had over the years. Okay, well, that's different. You've got a bunch of guys and you don't need another shooter, fine. But this team is not littered with shooters, in my opinion, by any stretch of the imagination. All right, let's switch topics. Let's move on to uh, this survey that Eric Name did. Uh, in the athletic and it's a, a fan survey and he's done it the last couple of summers and started doing it in 2009. And I tend or try to vote every year in it to see, you know, how I do versus what everybody else says kind of going forward. So let's go over some of the question and answers here. I'm not going to read in detail his thoughts on all of these answers. I'll just kind of go over some of the results. Do the Bucs have enough talent as an organization, so players, coaches, front office, etc., to win the 23-24 NBA championship? 92%, 91.9, I'm going to round all these up. 92% say, yes, they have enough. And I think that is probably right on the money. I would love to know from the 8% of people that said, no, they don't have enough as an organization to win, 
what are we talking about here? Are we talking about you don't think Adrian Griffin is good enough and they needed a better head coach to win this? Are you saying the roster isn't talented enough? I struggle to believe that that's the case because they're they're a pretty talented roster. They may be old, but they got some talent on this roster. So I struggle with that one. Uh, are you questioning John Horst? Uh Maybe I guess I can kind of see that, maybe. But again, the guys won a championship, and as I just said, there should be more than enough talent on this roster to win. So even that one I struggle with as well. How confident are you the Bucs will win the 23-24 NBA championship? 30, well, actually 55%, 54%, 54.4% say they're somewhat confident. Not that confident, about 35%. Extremely confident, 6%. And not at all confident, 5%. Now, I was at the somewhat confident. And the only reason I'm not extremely confident, and I'd be with that 6%, Stevens cannot stay healthy in the playoffs the last two years. And they're not getting any younger, as we've talked about. And to me, that is very, very concerning. Because, yes, you can play the regular season. And, yes, you can win 60 games and be all that in a bag of chips and be the one seed and so forth. But then you lose Middleton, and there go the playoffs. And then you lose Giannis for two and a half games, and there go the playoffs to a team that you never should have lost to in the Heat. But that's what it's been. You can't control health, right? You can rest guys. You can do stretches and exercises and tell them to get enough sleep. and You can do everything perfect. But if an ankle twists the wrong way here or a knee bends the wrong way there, it's over. And that's why... A lot of what happens with champions in all sports is kind of based on luck. I would imagine if you went back in baseball and worked at World Series champs, I would imagine that more times than not, the team that wins is probably the team that was among the healthiest teams in Major League Baseball. I would also probably be willing to wager that not only are they the one of the healthiest teams in baseball, but they probably also have one of the healthiest rotations in baseball throughout a given season as well. And the National Football League, it also plays in. You're not winning a Super Bowl if your quarterback is sidelined. You're not winning a Super Bowl probably if your star pass rusher isn't playing. That's just probably not happening. Now, can you come overcome uh, a left tackle being hurt? Maybe. Can you overcome a star running back being hurt? Maybe. A wide receiver, sure. But can you overcome all of that? There aren't many teams that have. We've got the Magic Carpet Ride Aaron Rodgers team that beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. They had, what, 17 guys on the IR? So there are exceptions to rules. But for the most part, it's awfully, awfully tough to overcome a bunch of injuries and still win a championship at the end of the day. Especially when you talk about key players, superstar players, and expect to win. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt for the Chiefs. It's a wrap. It's all done. Now, if something were to happen to Jordan Love this season and Clifford plays, how much is there going to be a difference in win-loss? I have no idea because we have no baseline as far as what this team is like with Jordan Love for 16 games or 17 games now. I have no idea. But if in four or five years, Jordan Love's winning 12, 13 games a year and they're in the playoffs and he's got a couple conference title games, and then we talk about, okay, how many game differences are going to be with a backup more than likely, the backup is not going to do as well as the starting quarterback who has a track record of that amount of success. It's probably not going to happen. They don't have the reps of the receivers. They don't They don't have the game experience. They don't have all that stuff. 
So naturally, there's going to be a regression. And it's no different when you talk about other sports. Same thing. Yeah, NBA guys get on the on the floor, but not to the same level as the starters do most of the time. So there's going to be regression. So health for me was the reason why I said somewhat confident, not extremely confident. Expectations are lower in the regular season. Do you care if the Bucs have never once seen the Easter Conference at the end of the 23-24 season? 79.3% said yes. 207 or 79.3% said no. Sorry, I read that wrong. Said they don't care if they're one seed. 20.7% said yes. And this really only comes down to how much of a deal do you really think playing at Pfizer Forum is for the Milwaukee Bucks? How much of a home court advantage with the crowd that shows up at Pfizer Forum is for the Milwaukee Bucks? I I, I don't I don't know where they would rank. I think that would be great to to talk to some NBA players, guys that have been in the playoffs for the last, say, five years, right? And say, okay, let, write down your top three hardest places to play in the playoffs, three top stadiums. Would Pfizer Forum make that list? Would they be on that list? Eh, I don't know. I don't know if Pfizer Forum would be there. Are there moments where it gets very loud? Yes. Have there been games where it's been sustained? Yes. Is it as consistent as you'd want? I don't know. Again, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've traveled around in all these other NBA stadiums and which stadiums are the loudest and so forth. I don't know. But if they're kind of middle of the road NBA-wise, if that's where the Pfizer Forum fans are, and then the ones he doesn't mean much. Then the other factor off of that is how much of a home court factor really is there for NBA players? Because I think you could argue for the Packers, Playing in 10 degrees wasn't home field advantage for Aaron Rodgers most of his career. I'll argue to the day I die that man was not a great cold-weather quarterback. The colder it got, the crazier conditions got, he didn't get better. It just wasn't the case. So, for me, I don't think that really benefited him. Domes, beautiful. Love domes. Warm weather for Rodgers, oh man, money, right? And he's always money. He's a Hall of Famer, obviously. One of the best to ever play. But I never really bought into the, oh, boy, if we're at Lambeau, we're going to have this great home court, home field advantage because it's going to be so cold. And you know, warm weather teams like San Francisco come in here and kick your butt all over the field and leave, and you lose. And you were supposed to have the advantage. It doesn't matter. Tampa Bay, <laughs> they come in here. They beat you. And it was really supposed to affect them. No, then and you still lost. So even in that aspect, in the National Football League, I don't know how much of a home field advantage there truly is there. Now, in some stadiums, it gets to be so loud that you can't hear. That can create problems if you don't have a veteran team, like Arrowhead or Seattle. Those can get really loud and create issues. Outside of that, are there really any more that is such a big deal that you don't want to play there in a playoff game? I'm not quite sure. And I think the same thing applies to the NBA. Uh, this one here next. Uh, the Bucs were right to move on from former head coach Mike Boonholzer after last season. True or false? Not surprised. 87% true. 13% say false. I think everybody was ready to move on from Mike Boonholzer. I still say the timing of it sucked because of his brother passing away during the playoffs and all of that stuff. And that was all a bunch of BS. But it is what it is. How confident are you in Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin? Now this one here. This is... Are you glass half full or glass half empty guy? Now, let's face facts. If you've listened to me on the radio over the years or listened to my podcast, you know I'm glass half empty guy in all aspects of life. 
It does not matter what we're talking about. I usually am the more negative side than I am the positive side. Been that way forever since I was a child and will probably be that way till the day I die. Having said that, I did vote somewhat confident at 76.4%. Why? Because I have faith that Stotts and Prunty, the two assistant coaches who've both been here before, can do enough with this offense, because that's probably not going to be Adrian Griffin's strength. It's going to be the defense. They can do enough with this offense to free up Giannis and show something different to teams that this team will get better from that perspective. Now, defensively, the question is, how is Brooke Lopez going to play? What are they going to ask him to do? That drop defense, drop drop defense that they played where Lopez got to play his role, Bud utilized him better than anybody prior to Bud probably utilized him. And if you screw now with how they play defense, and they're going to screw with how they play defense, how does that affect how Brooke Lopez plays defense? Because if Brooke Lopez goes from being uh, a potential candidate for defensive player of the year to being, uh, he's a good player, but he's no longer the dominant force that he was, if that change happens, this defense is going to get worse. I, I firmly believe that. They're going to get worse. And you can tell me, well, they got better here and there and there. Yeah, but you only have one rim protector. Maybe two if you include Robin Lopez, but he he's not doesn't play at the level of Brooke. Uh, and then Giannis. If you are going to have him, you know, playing down by the rim a little bit more. And defensively, you really can't you really can't defend that necessarily because he's gonna go wherever his guy goes. Unless you're playing like a 2-3 zone or something like that. But otherwise, he's going to be traveling. Switching. A lot of switching we saw uh, in Summer League. Now, we're assuming we're going to see that now once we get into the season. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, how confident are you in Buck General Manager John Horace? 54% uh, leads the way. 36% say they're extremely confident. So 54% somewhat. 36% say extremely confident. So overall, people happy with John Horace. What letter grade would you give the Bucks 2023 offseason? 64.5% say a B. I don't know what everybody else was thinking that voted for all these other letter grades. But they really couldn't do much. They were kind of stuck. Because of previous moves that they had made to get Drew Holiday and so forth, they were stuck as far as what they really could do to acquire Talented players. They were stuck from a salary standpoint. They were stuck from a draft capital standpoint. And they were stuck from a young player capital standpoint of being able to move guys to get veteran players. As we talked about earlier in the Green and Growing podcast today, that is something they're hoping to fix. Uh, Do you think Giannis is still seen as one of the best three players uh, in the NBA, among all NBA players? So the options were best player in the world, top three player in the world, top five, top ten, or lower than the top 10. Nobody voted for lower than the top 10. Top three wins with 61%. Best player in the world, 31%. So again, I don't think anything too shocking there as well. Then you also get into how confident are you in Chris Middleton? How confident are you in Drew Holiday? Somewhat confident rules the roost on both of those, uh, both of those players there. Now the next one. Uh, talking about what changes that may or may not occur under Griffin would you be most excited to see? Offensive changes lead the way by far in that one, 57.5%. Boone Alzer got criticized for his offense. I mean, that that's not something that's happened uh, just recently. That's been a thing forever, right? Out-of-bounds plays, not even out-of-bounds plays, but making adjustments in games to how the defenses are making adjustments. Bud tended to 
get knocked out, not making enough adjustments throughout the course of games. Now, in playoff series, as shown in that championship series, you know, they always struggled in the first game of a series. But then they would make adjustments, and then they would win a series. And that probably would have happened the last two years had the Bucs been able to stay healthy. How much would you like to see Brooke Lopez role on defense change under uh, Adrian Griffin? Very little, 53%. Somewhat, 41%. Substantially less than 5%. Those of you that voted substantially, please, please tell me what you think could have been done differently. Please, please, please tell me. And then, of course, the last one, what is your favorite uh, Bucks player not named Giannis? Uh, and Drew Holiday, comfortably, out in front with Chris Middleton. Second, followed up by Brooke Lopez, then Bobby Portis, and then Pat Connaughton somehow or another got 3.5% uh, of the vote as well. So that is uh, the wrap. Highly suggest you, uh, again, go read that Eric Name article because he's got thoughts on how all of this voting went uh, from last year to this year and how people's opinions have changed and why they may have changed uh, and so forth. It's a great piece. He does it every year. Uh, and as I've, I've talked about before, like the athletic is a no brainer for me. Like there's, there's absolutely no reason why he wouldn't not only for, uh, Eric name, but all the national guys that they have and Jesse temple, uh, the job he does covering the Badgers is really good. And Schneidman, uh, covering the Packers, they, they, they just do a really good job. Now Packer coverage wise, there's a million dudes, but you don't really have that, uh, with the Bucks, right? It's Eric name and Jim Ozarski. I read both of them every day because they're both really good. And Jim Ozarski, of course, with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Badgers, there's there's more Badger options. There's far more Badger options. That's becoming like the Packers, where you've got a million dudes all covering it. But Badger Extra does a great job with their staff of guys over there. Uh, and then I also like, uh, again, Jesse Temple, I think does a really good job too. So, uh, And there's a lot of different bloggers out there that do a really good job. Dylan Graff over at Badger Notes. Uh, of course, Badger Blitz, Sean McNamara and I. Uh, have had a relationship for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. We've had him on the big show over the course of years. It's a great job with his guys covering the recruiting angle and, and covering football and basketball. So a lot of different avenues out there. Uh, but again, I, I know the issue, right? You got to pay for TV, uh, TV apps nowadays. You got to pay for every damn thing you want to read on the internet. Seemingly you have to pay for, and it all adds up and you got to figure out which one you want to pay for and don't. And I'm just telling you, if you're, uh, a Bucks fan, a Badger fan, a Packer fan, and it sucks that they don't cover the Milwaukee Brewers, by the way. That really irritates the hell out of me. But, um, I mean, it just makes sense. Just saying, uh, one way or the other. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Nathan Marzan will return, and next podcast, we'll be able to say the Bucks training camp starts this month. I am jacked, and I'm excited. Plus, Badger football is starting this weekend. Packer football next weekend. Bucks NBA training camp at the end of September. Man, we are getting back into the thick of it again. And this podcast and the Curtin Long podcast, Talking Packers, is really going to pick up the pace now once we start having games and stuff to talk about. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good weekend. Toodles.